welcome to the Intuitive Vibrance Podcast, a space where we go straight to the heart of what it means to embody the fullest, most authentic expression of yourself. I am your host, Bozia Morgan, and I'm here to support you in your path to self-discovery, transformation, and liberation, empowering you to unapologetically be your most intuitively vibrant self. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Intuitive Vibrance. I'm so excited to have a very special guest with me this week, Kara Brown. Kara is a very dear friend of mine who I have known since, I think, 2008. It's been a long time that we've known each other. So yeah, true. Yes. So, Kara, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. I'm so glad to be here with you. Yeah, I'm really excited to be here with you. Um, We've been talking about doing this for a long time. So I just want to introduce Kara in all of her amazingness. Kara is a really incredible healer. She uses a unique style of healing and channeling to enhance the expression of one's soul and to create soul expansion, allowing her clients to birth new aspects of themselves. She does this as a guide and a conduit using Reiki, sound reading, and channeling. In a warm and supportive way, she opens the space for her clients to know themselves more deeply in order to heal the past, allow acceptance, and have an effect on those around them as well as on the collective. She's a master level Reiki practitioner having received her first Isui Holy Fire attunement in 2006. She loves working with all clients who are ready to fully embrace life. This work brings accelerated healing and connection on many levels. Kara is also a mother of two radiant souls. She's a forever student, a dancing woman, and a new moon circle leader for the Wild Woman Project. She's also completed studies at the Quiet Heart School of Healing Arts and the Ashling School. She's certified in White Lotus Healing and has received training in the Akashic Records and Seraphim Quantum Healing. Kara. <laughs> it's amazing. It's amazing. I, I realized on, as yeah. you were saying that, but I think we've known each other since more like 2005. When you said 2006 for my Reiki training, uh, the first one, I know that we were friends then. So we it's were? been even longer. Yes. Wow. Well, I think that our story is very beautiful, of course our love story. And, um, we were friends in Seattle. We met in our twenties in Seattle. And then, um, you became a facial client, a very loyal facial client. And one of my favorites, um, and we also just had fun in our twenties, right? Yes. Yes. I loved those times. I did too. And then I moved, I moved to Hawaii Mm -hmm. in 2011 and we lost touch for Mm -hmm. a while and then somehow we reconnected and I don't really remember how we reconnected. Do you? I definitely remember when we reconnected deeply. I don't recall kind of, I know that we had been in touch back and forth before that, but I really think it was in the last couple of years when 
we started diving into human design together. Yes. I think that's when, I mean, it was, and, and it felt like nothing, you know, no time had passed. Yeah. Yeah, when yeah, that yeah. happened. Yeah. Um, yeah. So we, we definitely stayed in contact, you know, here and there, but not, not anything close to, to no. what we are now. Yeah. I know. I know. And what we are now is, um, it's honestly one of the highlights of my life. Um, soul sister. Yes. So Kara is actually the person who called me out (laughs) to do human design professionally. That was you, Kara. That should have been on my bio. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I I want to take credit for that. (laughs) You should should take credit for that. So to give you all a little bit of insight into Kara, a little more insight, Kara is a projector. Kara is a 4-6 projector like me. And Kara is the first person who I ever did a human design reading for. So I had started talking about human design um, on my Instagram, maybe like almost three years ago now. Mm -hmm. And I remember posting something about being an empath, having open emotions, right? And you commented on that post and you were like, I want to know more about this. And you reached out to me and said you know, like, I want to learn more about this. And I said, oh, you should go. I think I referred you to you Kip. did. Yes. You did. Yeah. You tried to pass me off at first. I did. I <laughs> tried to pass you off. And I was like, oh, well, you should, you should get a reading from Kip because, you know, Kip is the real deal. And he's been doing this for a long time. And you're like, no, no, no. I want a reading from you. And I was like, oh my gosh. Okay. Okay. So here's, here's the crazy and cool thing about Kara is that Kara is a splenic projector. So she has a defined spleen. Kara also has a defined ego, which, you know, I always covet your defined ego. (laughs) But Kara has a wide open identity center. It's not just undefined. It's wide open, meaning that there are no defined gates around her identity center. It is just wide open. Mm. And Knowing Kara for as long as I have, I can see how that has played out. Kara, I can see how that's played out for you throughout your life. And one of the gifts of having just even just an undefined identity center, but having a wide open center, one of the gifts of that is that you can very easily see direction for others. And because the identity center is the center of of love, of self-love, of identity and direction direction yes and you calling me out to do human design readings I mean talk about a life-changing moment for me right like you saw this in me and you you saw this direction for me and you really you really deeply impacted my life which is you know which is Mm. what we projectors do Mm, I think especially for each other. I love it so much too. So it was so cool too, because the first person ever that I did a human design reading for was also a four, six projector. So I feel like, right. So I feel like the, yeah. I I still remember you saying this is, I, well, you knew it. You already knew it kind of in your bones. You're like, of course you're a four, six. And then you said, Kara, 
I am the perfect person to do this reading for you. <laughs> oh, I did. And you were. I'm, well, you were, you know, and I, I absolutely love just thinking about our friendship that I have this wide open G and here you are having that as your authority yes. and that I have the defined will and, you know, and mine is wide open. Mine is, is wide, completely yeah. undefined. I have yeah. no gates defined mm-hmm. in my, in my ego or my will. So mm-hmm. it is, we are really, I think a very lovely and perfect match actually. And So we've been on this journey together of discovering ourselves as projectors, as Mm -hmm. four, six profiles, you know, really connecting over this uh, just interesting journey of being a four, six, of being a projector, both being moms. Kara has two kids. She has a, she has a projector and um, her youngest is a projector and her oldest, who's only nine is a manifesting generator and, um, and we're both on this journey too of, of really kind of, um, owning our gifts as, as healers in the different modalities that we work in and work through and, um, being channels. And I think, you know, I've always seen you in this way and, um, it took me a little bit longer to see myself in this way and, um, just being able to, to be in this journey of life with you. It's helped me to grow so much and helped me to see myself so much. So mm. thank you. Thank you, same. dear Kara. Um, you know that I feel the same. Yeah. It's yeah. just a big love fest between us. So <laughs> Every damn day. I love it. <laughs> it's true. It's true. So we have so much to talk about. And I really just want to ask you questions and um let you talk. And I want everyone to know about the amazing work with you, that you do as well. Um, and your work has really impacted me in the most amazing mm-hmm. ways. Um, but let's just start with, uh, I, I just want to know about your experience um, of learning about human design, you know, coming across human design and how it impacted you, what happened, like what was, what was going on for you in your life at the time that human design came into your life? And then mm-hmm. what kind of, what, what kind of happened with you? Like what was your sort of internal process with it all? How did it impact you learning about being a projector and then also learning that you're a four, six. And then I also want to talk about your splenic authority. Um, yeah. yeah. So just, yeah. Anything you want to share? Sure. Sure. Uh, yeah. So, you know, human design first came into my view, um, via the gene keys. So it was while I was taking, um, I forget how long it was, maybe a a few month course in the Akashic records. And there was a guest speaker that talked about the gene keys. And so I started kind of diving into that. And of course, you know, naturally we know that Richard Rudd, um, first came to human design before the gene keys. So, Um, It opened my mind to that. And then I think that's when you did your post. Mm. I was like, oh, well, Fosia knows about this. (laughs) (laughs) I want in. Um, So that, that was kind of the doorway. And, you know, it happened right at the beginning of COVID. So I believe, I mean, 
I believe that it was March of 2020 when you did that reading for me. I think you're right. Yeah. Yeah. So very beginning. So looking back on that timing is, I mean, it was perfect because think about, you know, our whole world slowed down Mm -hmm. and it, you know, yes, I had kids at home, you know, (laughs) more people in my space, but everything else around me and around all of us shut down. And so it was this, this outer, you know, stuff going on in the outside world that was also mirroring to me what needed to happen on my inside world. And I had some of the strangest things happen during that time. Um, You know, I remember one day, um, one day I, I had, it was just felt very, very tired and just out of sorts. And so I ended up, you know, I kind of just felt like I was being moved all day to do these certain things. So I had this really strong sense in the middle of the day to go take a bath. Hmm. And I, I, I took a bath, I came out and it was almost like I felt somebody take my shoulders and sit me down on the couch and just Kara, be quiet. Don't move, you know, and, and this is the first time that I started doing things like this instead of going, 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 uh, you know, keeping my body moving all day long. Or if I did take a nap, you know, not feel guilty about it, or I would, I would feel guilty about it. Um, And so, you know, and then later that day, I took a really long nap and ended up having a very in-depth dream that brought me to my dream work, which we'll, we'll talk about later on. We have to talk about it. Yeah. Yeah. But that dream was what led me to, um, to inquire further about the, the dream stuff. So, um, you know, gosh, how did I even get on that? It just, during that time, I felt a lot of that, that need to just sit and be quiet. Mm. And so I did a lot of that <laughs> during those like, early COVID days. Yeah. And do you feel like learning about your human design gave you permission to do that? Yeah. I mean, it was all that timing was aligned. Um, as you know, it takes some some deconditioning to um, to accept that, you know, to accept that it's okay to do that. Um, but I feel like it was all happening in, you know, being coinciding together, um, learning about my human design, learning about being a projector, learning about the need to take time for myself. Um, you know, especially when my kids were home during that time and, and being able to say to them, you all need to, <laughs> you guys need to do something on your own. And I, I need to take some time to myself. Yeah. So, And was that, and what I'm hearing is that that was really different than how you were doing things before. Very much, very much different. Yeah. Not, um, I think it, it may be seen more um, on the internal 
landscape that it's so different. I'm not sure yeah. that people in my life would necessarily be able to track that difference and how how vast it looked, but um, the the internal was so different for me mm. um, to to experience that differently. Um, and you know, like learning that I was a projector was huge to learn that, you know, it's okay to slow down, not just that it's okay, but that it it's necessary for me and that it benefits everything else in my life when I do. And when I take that time for myself, um, it explained, you know, a lot about why I wanted to dive in so deeply to human design once I found it. Uh, I mean, I couldn't get enough. I remember. Yeah. Which is not uncommon for me. I mean, I, I have done that same thing with so many different modalities and, um, you know, I guess that can, that's reflected in my bio as well. But, um, you know, one of the biggest things I think was learning about that wide open G you hear people say that human design is like this big permission slip um, and validation process. And when you told me what that meant to have not only an undefined G, but completely open, and I could hear from you um, an understanding, like a reasoning of why I had felt like I would had been chasing my whole life to find who I am Mm. and to learn that who I am is never going to be defined by one thing. I'm never going to be able to say, you know, my name is Kara Brown and I am a superstar accountant end of story. (laughs) Like, you know, it's always going to be a run on sentence, um, or eight. Um, and it's always going to be changing. And to hear, to hear that from you, I mean, without sounding too dramatic, but it definitely did change my life because it changed the way that I could see myself in a more, in a more positive way. Yeah. So that, that was huge. I mean, I almost want to say even more so than learning about being a projector. Mm, Wow. Yeah. I mean, I can feel that, you know, it's so interesting. So you did end up reaching out to Kip and you got, cause he was offering this really great thing at the time, like these just full write-ups, yeah. like this PDF, this multi-page PDF of, of your design for a really, really reasonable price. And uh, I think he had reached out to me and said, thank you for referring Kara and her family mm. to me. And I said, you know, I said, I got to do a reading for her. I actually did like a whole reading for her. And I told him, I was like, you know, I thought, I knew that Kara was a four, six. I knew that you were a four, Mm -hmm. six, but I thought you were in manifesting generator. Ah, And which which makes sense, right? Which makes sense. Yeah. Because manifesting generators, you know, like you're not you, they, well, all of you out there, 
<laughs> manifesting generators are not here to just like choose a path and just stick to that one path. You know, you get to try different things out. Um, and all you manifesting generator generators out there, if you have any kind of judgment about yourself or towards yourself about, you know, kind of like wanting to dip your toes into all these different things, or like, I can't seem to stick to a path or whatever, like I'm giving you that permission now. Um, you're, you're here to try out all these different things and you're mm -hmm. a, a brilliant multi multitasker. So knowing Kara and knowing her trajectory and just kind of watching her life. And I mean, you trained as a Pilates instructor as well. Yeah. Right. And, and a birth doula. Mm -hmm. And, um, I really thought I was like, Oh, Kara's gotta be a manifesting generator. And I remember saying that to Kip and he's like, <laughs> ha ha. Yeah. Because you know, projectors and manifesting generators are so, uh, you know, like so alike. And I was like, <laughs> I mean, I just like, I didn't know. And also we were in our twenties, you know, like when we were living in the same city, we were mm -hmm. in our twenties and like, you were doing all the things with <laughs> all the people, like you were like all over the place all of the time. And I, I, you know, I was too, until I hit 30 and then I hit 30 and I was like, I'm tired. Mama's tired. Like I gotta, <laughs> I want to calm down. Right. <laughs> So I think it's so interesting about you and your wide open G and that I love that that learning that about yourself was even more impactful than learning yeah. that you're a projector. I mean, yeah. that's big. That's it huge. is. It was huge. I, I still feel like I'm, I'm wrapping my brain around that. Yes. Yeah. Uh, yeah. 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 So hearing you talk about feeling like there were these hands that sort of like, you know, or something that was pushing you to get into the bath and then mm -hmm. these hands that placed you on the couch. What I'm wondering is, do you think that was your splenic authority? Oh, great question. Um, gosh, Fosia. Uh, it very well could have been, it, it actually felt a little or not, can't use the word little here. It felt, um, more divine to me yeah looking yeah. back on that one day in particular and I felt right. that need to just sit a lot but that day I mean I physically felt like I was being mm. moved and sat so it but but then who's to say that um with splenic authority being part of me part of my body we are all divine who's to say that as a Blenick authority um, shout is not as divine as something coming from above. Right. I mean, and that's the thing too, right? And I know like we've talked a lot about your splenic authority and it's something that you struggled with, right? Um, struggling. Yes. Can yeah. Can we talk about Her, that? Can, sure. Can we, can we talk about that? Yeah. Yeah. And and I actually shouldn't say so much struggling now because now it doesn't feel like a struggle. I was just trying to emphasize that it's still ongoing and yes. current day, um, but it doesn't feel like a struggle so much anymore. It feels more like that experimenting and yes. um, more like a friendship and a, mm. a relationship by getting to know one another. Um, but my spleen feels very elusive to me <laughs> sometimes um, and hard to get to know. Mm -hmm. um, you know, looking 
back, looking back, I can definitely pinpoint times in my life where my spleen was very loud and it it was mostly in situations, um, like dangerous situations. Yeah. Um, you know, I remember a time at a party in high school where instantly I said to my girlfriends, we're leaving right now, Mm. get your stuff. We're going. Um, and later, you know, we left and as we left, we passed a car and gunshots were fired after that. And, you know, so stuff like that. And in, in college, my girlfriends would, you know, (laughs) give me, you're kind of, you know, make fun of me a little bit because I always had this amazing ability to, um, to bypass MIPs. Like minor in possession, you know, before we were, <laughs> you'd go to a big college party and at, in my college town, the cops would show up and, you know, write tickets to every person walking out of that house. And I always had this kind of radar, this tracker of, you know, it's time to go or nope, we're not going out the front door. We're going to go out the back door or. Wow. I somehow got through college, never getting one of those when everybody <laughs> else did but so those are silly examples um but it but looking back I I can think like yeah that was definitely my spleen telling me to get out of dodge um and now um what I've been trying on lately thanks to um common empowerment and Christos Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um is the idea that my spleen isn't something that I have to listen to or try to make myself aware of because it's been with me my whole life and it's so commonplace. It's so within me um, that I don't have to work so hard. I just have to mm. recognize that it's it's the way that I've always been and recognizing that that way I've always been is my spleen. Right. Is my authority. Yes. That you have been, even before you knew about strategy and authority and human design, you were following your splenic authority. So for those of you out there who are listening and who don't understand what we're talking about, (laughs) um, (laughs) in human design, um, we talk about experimenting with our design and the, the two things that you start to experiment with first are your strategy and your authority. So this is all about making aligned decisions for yourself. Mm. And as projectors, our strategy in life is to wait for the invitation. We should talk about this yes, uh, for yes. sure. So let's talk about this <laughs> next, but, um, and then your authority can depend, it, it can, uh, it, it varies. It, it doesn't go by type, but each person has their own authority and there's different types of authority. There's emotional authority. Um, there's self-projected authority, which is only for projectors. I am self-projected, which means that I know my truth by hearing myself say it out loud. That's part of it. Um, and so then I can make aligned decisions for myself. Kara has authority it comes from her defined spleen I also covet your defined spleen by the way um and it's all about listening to the whisper 
right, of the spleen to know what is right for you and what is maybe not right for you. And the Mm -hmm. thing that we are taught about the spleen and splenic authority is that it comes once and that you have to pay attention and that it's quiet. It's not always very loud. Like, Like people with sacral authority, it's like from the gut and it tends to be like a louder kind of instinctual thing, mm-hmm. right? Like a gut response. Um, but everything that we've been taught about splenic authority is that it's it's much more of, of a quiet whisper and you have to pay attention and that it's fleeting and that, you know, and so I think that just from that information right there, it can feel very elusive, like you said. And so I love that you have this new perspective from Christos, um, who I also have had um, a few sessions with and I've mentioned before him before in a podcast and he really is incredibly brilliant. Yes. Um, and his perspective is so needed and he's also a splenic projector. Yeah. Um, but I love, I love that, that just cause you didn't know about your authority, you know, before uh, March of 2020 <laughs> doesn't mean that you weren't following your authority. Yeah. yeah. And so it's not something that you have to look for or chase after it's just inherent. It's just in yeah. you. Yeah. Yeah. I think um, you can correct me if, if this isn't um, true as far as the technicalities of human design. But I, looking back, I also feel like um, my splenic authority comes through as clear cognizance sometimes because there have been so many things in my life where I'll just know without yeah. a doubt um, you know, that I, and it's usually around health and wellness, um, illness, disease, you know, um, with my son and health decisions for him. And, uh, you know, looking back, a lot of that claircognizance was related to health, which makes so much sense since our spleen, our spleens have to do with, immunity and exactly and well-being and well-being I think that that is probably spot on and actually reminded me of my very uh dear friend Jessica she was my best friend in high school she's also a splenic projector Mm -hmm. and um she one of her sons had a lot of really huge health complications when he was a baby and she told me a little bit about how she would also get these, these hits where all of a sudden she just had a knowing yeah. and it was very clear and it was around his health. Yeah. And so just knowing the two of you and knowing what you've both been through with your babies, um, I think that that makes total sense. Yeah. Interesting. That's amazing. That's yeah. really interesting. That's really interesting. This is why everyone should know their human design because I, think, I know. Right. Because I think that we, we get so much information from so many, in so many different ways, it shows up in our fields in so many different ways. And I think having ways to understand how, how we get this information and, and it, it helps us to, to trust, it helps us to trust our mm-hmm. intuition and this knowingness that we all have. And it helps us to cultivate it because the more you pay attention to it, the more you acknowledge it, as real, the more you cultivate it, the more you trust it, the more you bring it in. And then your life really starts to, things start to unfold in a much different way, right? It's like, 
I don't know. I mean, it, it trust is everything. Trust, mm-hmm. trust in ourselves. Oh. Trust, trust is everything. It's everything. everything. I mean, Richard everything. Rudd, it's everything. He has this quote that trust is the byproduct of a whole host of chemicals that are released into your brain or into your body um, as you begin to evolve. I think that that's the quote. Mm. I actually have it on my Instagram feed somewhere. Um, But that it's that trust, it's like when you learn to trust, you start to evolve, that there's evolution through trust. And so does that make sense? Am I making it, sense? It does. It does. But, and as you're saying that I'm, and I'm thinking about this being like, there's, but there's these different types of trust, right? Yeah. Because I feel like I learned before, um, as I mentioned, I, I feel like I'm still in process with trusting my spleen and, and myself, but there's the trust that, that we all have to go through and learn about trusting the universe and trusting that what's in our life right now is, is for us and trust, you know, instead of letting fear take over um, our mind and rolling that way, just setting all of that aside and trusting um, in what is. So there's that kind of what feels like external trust. Yeah. um, That I feel like I had, a lot of opportunities in life um, to come to be able to to trust that kind of trust before I was able to um, link the two and find that trust within within myself because mm. they feel separate and yet you know they're very much linked and 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 one in, in connection but. Um, yeah, I still feel like I, I struggle sometimes with the, with the internal trusting. Well, it's part of the deconditioning process, right? And so I wanted to ask you about your deconditioning process. So in human design, uh, one of the biggest things we talk about is, is deconditioning. And that's what human design is for, you know, is learning about our design, learning about our mechanics. It's like you said, it's this permission slip to just fully accept ourselves for who we are and how we are, how we show up in the world. Um, but that doesn't happen overnight. And in human design, we say that it takes seven years. The deconditioning process takes a full seven years. You know, that's like how long it takes for our, to have like full cellular turnover in the body. But that makes sense because our beliefs, our thoughts um, affect our physical biology, right? I mean, it affects our DNA. So what has it been like for you in your experiment with human design going through this deconditioning process? And I know you haven't just been doing deconditioning through human design. It's Mm -hmm. been through all these other modalities, right? Um, But I'm curious to know what the deconditioning process has been like for you so far if you want to share what you've deconditioned from, like what you've really allowed yourself to let go of and maybe what you're still struggling with or kind of in the process of deconditioning from, yeah. that's a big question. Anything yeah. you sharing? <laughs> yeah. It's a big question, but a good one. Um, you know, I feel 
Like even before I came to human design, though I didn't necessarily have the terminology for it, but I felt like I was being hit pretty hard with the deconditioning process um, in in the way that it kind of um, showed up for me was feeling really isolated, isolated um, from the world. And and let me say why. Um, I, I started looking around at my life, at my family's lives, at the whole world, (laughs) the way we operated. And it just stopped making sense to me. And I'm not sure that it ever did make sense to me before that, but it stopped making sense to me so drastically that it felt hard to understand why we're even here doing what we're doing on this planet. Um, you know, I, we've talked about this before, yeah, but I remember you know, you told me, yeah, you just, I felt like I hit this point of, oh, I, I I would drive around, you know, doing my errands and be like, where are all these people going? Like, what's so important that, you know, our jobs or it just, it stopped making sense. Um, and, you know, and that can sometimes end up feeling like a, a a lack of engagement, depression, um, lack of joy, because where, when you're not finding that, that, um, purpose kind of woven into your everyday. And when you're questioning why we're even here, it's hard to, to get up and and do it. So I, I feel like it was really kind of that stage of life, which gosh, I don't know when that would have been maybe five years ago or, or something, mm-hmm. um, where I really started questioning all of it. And, um, you know, and yes, you're right. I mean, I've been doing, you know, energy work and mirror work and shadow work and all that since, um, I guess it would have started in about 2005. Well, wow. a little before that. Yeah. Um, you know, so in some ways, like I really thought that I was an old hat when this term of deconditioning <laughs> came through, which is just right. hilarious now. Right, right, right. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, cause I, I really did think I had done so much work. Yeah. Ha ha. Right. <laughs> like, <laughs> you know, um, well, you had, I had, yes. And there's always work to do. And I think the moment that you think that you're good is like the moment that the universe is going to be like, Oh, we dropped this little nugget down for you. Yeah. Uh, so deconditioning, you know, specifically around human design, I'm trying to think, I mean, so much of around being a projector would be the idea that my worth is not tied to what I accomplish, what I get done in a day, what I, what I've uh, have accomplished in the past, or even just 
you know, what I'm accomplishing in my, my day-to-day life, what I'm checking off my to-do list. Those two are, are not connected. Um, that was, that's big. That was huge. Yeah. That's huge. That was huge for me. Um, do you feel like you've really internalized that and embodied that? It's, I am always in process. I feel like yeah. I'm never not going to be in process with that. I feel like I can intellectually or always, I always intellectually know things of course. far, far beyond, um, or, you know, first before I can take them into my body and yeah. truly believe them. Or, yeah. you know, I would say these things to a friend really, really believing it before yeah. I can actually take it on for myself. Of course. Um, That's so, all of us. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So to answer that question, uh, <laughs> you know, maybe 80%, I, I believe it. That's, yeah. I mean, but it, amazing. but that's a, a lot more than two years yeah. ago. Yeah, of course. Yeah. No, I, I'm, I'm not questioning you at all. I'm just like, <laughs> this is huge. Like, cause I'm still working on that too. And so, uh, I, yeah, like, I just am curious to know, like how, how much you've been able to really step into that in this mm-hmm. embodied way, you know? Um, and I know for me, it, it ebbs and flows, right? Yeah. Um, so I stepped in, but maybe not very gracefully. Well, how about that? <laughs> it, well, feels, it feels a lot more graceful now. I'm sure it looked very graceful the entire time, but I know, I know how ungraceful and messy it feels on the inside. I mean, and that's the thing about us as four sixes is that we don't really, you know, we're not, we're not like a one, three profile. Like we're, yes, we go through the third line process earlier on in life, but everything that we present to the world and we don't do it on purpose, but what people see of us is very refined. Actually, we, we are very refined. And so it never looks messy. What comes from us never looks messy, even though it feels so dang messy, right? right? It's just inside, something that's yeah. very interesting, I think. That is. Um, yeah. Is there anything else that has been a big um, piece of the deconditioning process for you? I feel like we've had so many conversations around this. So is there anything that you're thinking of to jog my memory? <laughs> no. Because Not at the moment. Um, I mean, I think one big thing for both of us as projectors, but I'm just, I'm going to speak to what I'm thinking about for you is that moment when you realized that just your presence and your energy creates Mm. change Mm. and that you don't have to be or do anything beyond showing up and being present to have a positive impact on the people around you and the people in your life. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we, yeah, we came to that in a site K session. Yeah, we did. So you helped me. Yeah. Come to that, that awareness. Um, I mean, I, I forget, I think it had been some gene keys um, yeah. stuff so that you, I was diving into. You brought that, you brought yeah. that to the session. And I remember because, getting the chills. 
because I was reading that with my, it was showing up so much in my gene keys work and in human design stuff. Um, and in actually it was, that's what it was. It was also in a lot of what I was channeling, um, as I was doing channeled writing and channeling for myself. Um, but that, that's a hard thing to believe. That's a hard thing, you know, to, it it feels very egotistical. Of course. You know? So then when you could help me kind of, um, switch my subconscious thought around that mm-hmm. was very helpful. In terms of deconditioning, is there anything else that you're kind of like actively working on right now or still wanting to address? Yeah, I feel like there's always so many things that are being brought into my awareness that I, I want to address and, you know, make better um, or just, address in in a way to unfold and unfurl and yes. open myself up more remember who I am you know not I, I've I've kind of lost maybe this is even another deconditioning thing I've lost um that idea that I have to work on myself that mm. I'm not good enough right now but if I do this other course or if I do you know X amount of, uh, energy sessions with somebody, you know, then, then I'll be okay. I just have to do the work, do the work, do the work. And yeah, I mean, it is work. We all know that. And I I think it's invaluable. I wouldn't trade the work that I've done for anything over the last, you know, 17 years. Um, but kind of re- releasing that idea that it's not work and that all it is, is the, the unpeeling and the getting to know the deepest part of myself and my soul more intimately is, is what needs to happen. Mm. So that's uh, that. <laughs> so it's so like juicy and feminine and beautiful and like, allowing right it's Mm. that allowing it's like really being in your feminine and like receiving receiving and like letting go and like receiving and unfolding and like just being right it's like sinking deeper and deeper into who you are um and I yeah I get so much more enjoyment out of being in my feminine than I used to. Mm. I used to be a lot more. Can we talk about this? Yes. 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 We can. And I didn't even, I didn't even answer. um, I got sidetracked in thinking about the deconditioning of that aspect. I was going to talk about food and my spleen, but, and then, and then let's come back. And then let's bring it back to the feminine. Cause I really want to talk about that with you. Okay. Okay. Sounds good. Um, One of the deconditioning things that I've have been working on and and feel so much more aligned with now is, um, is food. I mean, I've always cared so much about food. I love cooking. I love going to the farmer's market. I love making food. I love baking, (laughs) you know, and, and I worked at a natural health clinic for a really long time. Um, and some of my absolute like favorite mentors and teachers are the the couple that I worked for there. Um, 
so that aspect of food and health is huge in my life. Um, but I never could feel like I could get my exact, um, the, the best way to eat for me. There, it was never, you know, going down and trying the different types or fads of eating, you know, keto or gluten-free or whatever right. it was in the moment because I've tried all of it. Um, but the deconditioning of letting go of the idea that one of those was right or that something outside of myself knew more than I knew what was yeah. going to be the best thing for, for my body to eat. It blows me away that I even considered the idea that I could read a book and, <laughs> um, you know, have somebody tell me what's, what's best for my body. Yeah. Um, yeah. So being able to tap into my spleen in any moment and, and let my body tell me what I want to eat and open up the refrigerator and like what looks good and sounds good right now. And that's what I'm going mm. with. And, you know, two hours later, it might be something completely different. And if I'm, you know, if it's dinner time and I'm not hungry, it's okay for me to not eat. I can yes. sit with my family and enjoy their company and, you know, chat and talk and let my kids know that it's okay that I'm, you know, not eating right now. I guess that, I mean, that message can come off poorly. I'm, I'm also so aware of, of yes. how I represent myself in front of my kiddos and want a healthy environment. But you know, what that is expressing to them is that I'm listening to my body in this yes. moment and, yes. and making choices accordingly. And, and that they get know, to do the same and thing, right? They get to do the same thing. I love that. And I, I will say this is it. I am not perfect at that. So far from it. That has been a huge deconditioning as well is that idea of, um, you know, you've got to eat your vegetables before you can or whatever, yeah. <laughs> you know, because I have two very different kids that yeah. have very different eating habits and yes. personalities and um, again, that idea that there is one way for children to eat by way of breakfast, lunch, and dinner and multiple snacks is crazy. Yeah. No, I love that we're talking about this because, um, this is something, this is a huge thing that I have deconditioned from as well. I mean, being a nutritionist, having kids, right? And I have a generator and I have a manifester and they have really different preferences when it comes to food. And, um, you know, I have in, in the last couple of years, especially in the last year, I think I've let go of the guilt in the last year, especially, but I basically kind of like let them eat what they want to eat. I mean, a lot of times Felix just wants plantain chips for breakfast because it settles his tummy and it makes him feel good. And I'm like, well, okay. Okay. Like that's fine with me. You know, and the thing is, is like, and we're, you know, we are taught too. It's like when, when children are hungry, they will eat. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, I, 
I, I just, like you said, there's so con, so much conditioning around this yeah. and there's so much mom guilt around like, yes. well, I need to feed my child properly. And like you and I both have extensive knowledge around yeah. nutrition and health and, um, and wellness. Right. And yeah. it's incredibly important for both of us. And, um, you know, it's like, once you have the information, you can't like unhave the information, right. right? You can't right. unlearn it, but there is a bit of an unlearning because it's like, okay, well, First and foremost, I want my children to know that they are sovereign beings and that they have body sovereignty and that they are in charge of their own bodies. And I can never force them, especially my manifester, like I cannot force him to eat. Um, And so I just flow with it. And as a projector mom who, you know, has no motors, I don't have a defined ego. Um, I like I don't have the energy or the willpower to, to fight with them about it. Like I can't impose my will. I literally don't have a will to impose, you know? And so letting go of that and letting there just be this really natural flow. And I say like, look guys, here's what's, here's the options for dinner. Here are the options. Sometimes, you know, especially Felix will be like, well, I don't want any of that. And I'm like, okay, well, okay. (laughs) Okay. Like, this is what there is. There's frozen blueberries in the freezer. Sometimes that's all he has for dinner. And it's okay. And it's incredibly liberating just talking about it, you know, but it's incredibly liberating. So I love that you brought that up because I wanted to ask you, like, and we're going to go back to, you know, being in our feminine, of course, talking about that. But how has human design impacted you as a mother? And how has it impacted your parenting? Oh, so much, so much. Um, so I have um, an emotional manifesting generators, my daughter who's nine and self-projected projector like Fosia uh, is my son who's seven. You know, before, um, before human design, I knew that my kids were so different, obviously. I knew... <sighs> I knew that their energy levels were so different, um, but learning about their differences just, it, it gave me so much more excitement to honor their individuality and their uniqueness. And it gave me the tools to do that um, rather than, you know, you, you can't help but compare as a parent. And before yeah. human design, you know, I kind of was like, oh, gosh. Why, why can't Whitaker keep up or, you know, all these different things, but like you, Whitaker doesn't have any motors. Um, and Brooklyn is a man gen. So I mean, she goes (laughs) all day long and she's just, you know, brilliant in the way that she starts projects. And, um, I mean, she can have so multiple things going on, coordinating, directing, um, developing, these fun things, not finish any of them. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, But I mean, she just, she blows us away every day. She was a a wonderful child to have during COVID times because she would come up with all the entertainment every day. Amazing. Yeah. Um, You know, and Whitaker and I just go along with it. (laughs) Right. Okay. Yeah. Here we are. We'll, we'll be here. Um, So yeah, I mean, it, it's really fun to to know these things about them and then be able to to pay them 
respect and compliments and mm-hmm. uh, acknowledgement, recognition yeah. um, for those things um, instead of trying trying to compare. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I love you posted yesterday on Instagram, the pic of Brooklyn in her like amazing, you know, outfit that she put on to go to school and, you know, wore the dress backwards. So you could see the exposed like gold zipper yes. and like had the whole thing. And then there's a pic and she's the manifesting generator. Yes. And then there's the picture of Whitaker who's in bed mm-hmm. reading a book. And how mm-hmm. old is he? Seven. He's seven. And that was before school, right? Yes. Yeah. Incredible. I mean, (laughs) there's nothing more classic than a self-projected projector and no motors projector in bed reading a book. Like, no, like, no, I'm not getting up yet. I need to stay horizontal. Just pulling teeth to even, you know, get him up and dressed. Yes. You know, she'll, she'll be ready before all of us at the door, (laughs) reminding us of things you know, to do and completely ready. And be like, can you guys please brush your teeth? Let's go. We're, you know, Amazing. I'll be in the car. Uh, yeah. And Whitaker. Yeah. And, and how beautiful that you have this gift of human design to share with your children so that not only can you understand them as their mother, but also to help them understand themselves. And, you know, I mean, you can imagine anyone listening, like, if you have a child like Brooklyn who is a manifesting generator and like, you know, up for anything and can go, go, go. And like, you know, in the car before everybody else. And then you've got Whitaker who's younger. He comes as the second child and he, you know, doesn't want to do all those things. He doesn't, he doesn't fit the mold of what a quote unquote successful child looks like in our modern day society. Right. Mm -hmm. And so it would be very easy to be like, Oh, like what is wrong with my kid or, he's not this, or this is frustrating, or why can't he be more like Brooklyn, right? But knowing his human design, it's, you can't be anything but proud of him. Like there's nothing to do, but to accept him and love him and see him and recognize him for who he is. And to be, to marvel in the way that he lives his design to marvel in the way. And I could feel that in your post yesterday, like you marveling as their mother in the way that they, yeah, yes. But just knowing how they Mm. operate and being able to honor that. And it really, it makes parenting, it has made parenting so much easier and so much more enjoyable. And then understanding that I'm a projector and I have no motors. I'm not, I am not designed to keep up with my kids in the way that a generator mom Mm. would be. I'm cool to hang and guide the process, right? That was such a good learning too. Yeah. Yeah. To to take away the guilt of feeling like you're not the the fun mom (laughs) that, you know, is in it and doing all of the things. And, or when, you know, I very often feel very depleted as a mother. Yeah. Not as much anymore because I've learned some ways to, to not get there. But I mean, depletion was something I felt every single day mm-hmm. before. Um, and then, and yeah. learning about that and kind of being able to release the guilt around that, or why do my children exhaust me so much? Totally. You know? Yes. 
do you, this is something I thought about a lot about myself because, um, you know, I used to have chronic fatigue and mm-hmm. I had Epstein-Barr and I know that I have physically healed my body and I've gotten better. I don't have it anymore. But I think that one of the things that healed me was understanding myself, understanding my design as a projector and knowing that like, oh, maybe it's not chronic fatigue. I'm just a projector with no motors and I need a lot of rest. So there's that part of it. And then hearing what you just said, letting go of the guilt and letting go of the need to be something that we're not, doesn't that help with the feelings of depletion? Because that takes up so much energy, right? Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, I believe so deeply that so many of those, those things that end up presenting in our bodies as you know disease or chronic fatigue, anything like that, always stems from, from an energetic place. Yes. Um, or energetic, emotional, you know, so it makes sense. Yeah. 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 Yes. Mm. Well, my friends, Kara and I went so deep in this conversation that we ended up talking for two hours. So I'm going to stop here and make this into part one. And, uh, next week we'll come back with part two in which we talk about the magic and the beauty of surrendering into our feminine in our 40s. And we take a deep dive into the amazing work that Kara does as a dream analyst and a channel for the angelic realm. So I hope you enjoyed today's episode. I hope you'll tune in for part two next week. And until next time, I am sending you all so much love.